So before we start, what I told Blaine and I told Lee and Brian, this is probably the hardest class I've ever taught in my life because I'm not Native American by birth. So, you know, when a mother holds a baby, there's a transmission which exists in the material plane through their bodies. Right? And Twyla adopted me, so she said it's, that it was her choice to do so the day she met me when these two women were there with me. We drove over on the back roads. And so it exists in me, that love and blessing. But for me to communicate it, ideas which are public and which are not public was just such a privilege, and that all of you would sit with me while I would do that. And so I'm going to say a couple of things about the Iroquois Confederacy when we begin this that are usually not talked about. And they're part of what's supposed to happen when this time comes. And then while we're going through this, I'm going, we're going to also do a blessing for baby Adam. And uh, people do and don't believe in reincarnation. And unexpectedly in 1991, I started having these people come to me. And I would first send them away, I'll have to talk to you later. And then I'd look up at the heavens and go, I can't talk about this stuff. It's just not really part of what's talked about. But I would realize you've got to talk to this mother or this father or these parents and be with this child in utero. And I would know who the child was. Like, how do I know that? And um, it's just a part of an assignment very mysteriously given to me, unsought, very much how my mother was with me. She was remarkable with all four of us. And of course, my beloved younger brother is here today with his beloved Beth. And so... These children would come, and I would be aware, what is God doing? There must be something happening on the earth, so mysterious. So Joanne is the aunt of the reincarnation of the, the person who was Edgar Casey, who's now probably in her 20s. And, you know, these children will come in, or Sarla has several grandchildren, and there's always one person who's like the lighthouse, they're not the authority over the child, but it's the mother, the father, the grandmother. Oh, I remember how to practice being with you as best I can, as it's revealed to us why you're here and what you will do beyond me, right? Because the babies hopefully always go beyond us. So Peter has three of these children. John has three of these children. Lee and Brian have one of these children. Uh, their brother-in-law, Steve, has two of these children who then have some of these children, right? So there are between four and 5,000 of these children, like a pop-up tent frame. And then how does the tent stand? Well, it stands to whatever this is heaven is going to do in their generation. And my dad, I've said many times in classes, my dad would say, well, when there's a third world war, and I'd go, Dad, there's not going to be one. Oh, honey, you're so naive. I'd go, no, Dad, that's why we were sent, so there wouldn't be one. And I would be aware that he and my uncle, our Uncle Jim Garvey, I thought they're such strong protectors, and they're protecting us, but I can't express to them that this other part is already all right. Like, Because like, their view was, oh, no, you just don't understand. And I thought, well, they were protecting, and yet, there's something in consciousness from God protecting. That's where we're going. So as we go through this, I'm going I'm to call out a kind of specific thing in the four directions of how we do this um, ceremony. And um, I'll, talk, it'll talk, I'll talk about it so it's on the recording. And in the midst of it, I'm going to call forward several things so that baby Adam is blessed all over the world, anywhere he goes. And then I go, well, then I need child who is in his generation, is his, all my relations. And then who are his people? As the Mennonites rode on bikes and carriages from their churches, and as we're here in this beautiful center. So there'll be uh, Christian prayers from his mother's family. Uh, his father is a secular humanist atheist. So there'll be a poem his wife will read. He's in Egypt right now, Mom. And um, in the midst of it all is the quality of the weaving of the great peace. Okay. So let us just bow our heads. And in our hearts and souls, let us be present with this 
with this beautiful day the Lord has made. Let us be present with our own breath of life, our groundedness to the center of the earth like the great tree of peace of the Iroquois Confederacy, the Haudenosaunee Confederacy. Let us be aware in our hearts and souls of allowing ourselves to be vulnerable, to be touched by the blessings of the traditional people of this area in what they called the good mind, the sense that two or more people would together seek peace, justice, health, virtue, all of which were considered normal parts of the well human being. In the heart and soul, be aware of the goodness your own culture has also brought to this area and the world, so that the good mind becomes a weaving of the interrelationships of all peoples. We're using the colonial power English language here with an American accent. when America was being formed and we were persecuting Quakers in Massachusetts, the British stepped in and said, no, you're, you're becoming too violent. Be aware in the heart and soul of all the ways in which we need to study war no more and to study the virtue of the blessing of every day a human being is given to live. I've had sickness several times in my life, warranting my gratitude that every day is a miracle for me and all those whom I love, all those who love me, a veritable miracle. But be aware of letting go of all the places where you do not have gratitude for your life, your daily bread, your well-being, your solitude, your loved ones. And be aware in the heart and soul of letting what you know and the mystery of what you don't know find safe harbor in your soul and heart so that you're able to find your pathway home. That the reason you're here on this earth is allowed to be a fulfillment. Open your eyes as you're ready. And we're going to begin in go into six directions. <clears throat> the first direction I'm going to have us go into is the south, which is the direction usually of uh, innocence and a kind of the new season and a quality of receptivity to what is coming. And from that, I had us end last night with asking the uh, Confederacy men ancestrally to be protectors to us and kind of be saintly or sagely um, mentors to us. And in that is all the hidden pieces. So if you're not initiated into a tribe, and this is one of the things Houston Smith admired the most, is the Iroquois would not tell him 95% of their understandings. He said at first, the first couple of years, I would seek one of them out or a few, and we'd get talking, and I'd say, would you tell me a little more? And one of them would say, I'm sorry, no, and end the evening. And he would realize that he had been, to him, insulting. They would say they weren't insulted, that they were just forbidden to tell him. And he said, I came to admire that so much. It was the only place in the world he went as this esteemed scholar in world religions where people wouldn't confess the secrets of their religious traditions to him, right here in the Finger Lakes. And even though he was here for, I think, 40 years, they never did. And then they would tell him one piece they felt he was mature enough to know. So at the center of the men's teaching, Dagonawita came to the men 
and sat alone with the men. At times he would work with the women and men. But he came to the four groups and sat with each of them and asked them if they would accept his wish to create the great peace. And he told them that in order to do this, he would have to go to the evil man, the one with snakes in his hair, the Tanabaho, and convert him from his hatred because of his lack of understanding to the good mind, to a place where he could find his way. And that it would be very hard and it would require justice and patience. And the men took one year to think about it before they answered yes. It's a long time. Then he went to the second group. I don't know what order he went. Oneida, Onondaga, Seneca, Cayuga. He went to all four groups. Each group of the Sachems or chief said the same thing. We, we need a year. They couldn't understand in their own minds how it could succeed. And then they answered him, we will do this with you. So from that point, the Ganawita considered, we have begun the work of the good mind. We are all in agreement. And then he went and confronted the Tadadaho and gave him a position of leadership. You will be the link, like the, the, the thread in the wampum. Each of the men will be the shell strung on it. This chief, this chief, this chief, this chief. But you, the evil one, is so cunning and aware, you have to protect those men. You'll be the thread of the wampum, the rush. And the Tadadaho said, he was proud of this job. And they call it the firekeeper. And so it, it succeeded. The piece that they don't talk about is there was a second evil figure. If you ever watch a bully, a bully will come in and tease someone. And psychologists found in the last maybe 20 years when they'd watch children that they could always work it out if it were just a bully and a person being bullied. But they'd keep watching playgrounds and classrooms. And they found there was always another person who seemed to be doing nothing who was encouraging the bully and harming the other person through that. And only when a witness came forward and said, I see you, I am here with you, ah, I will not go with your mind. The good mind is aware of you, calling you to it. So that hidden figure, I have never heard of a non-native person of the Confederacy knowing about this. But we're supposed to talk about this according to what Twyla asked of me. So what that would mean to me is wherever there's something in the hidden shadows falling into evil in humanity, the Confederacy spread all across this land and they move into the Tuscarora from the Carolinas who, who joined in, in much later, like the 1700s. And the Cherokee people who are cousins who went all down into Ohio and the Ohio River Valley all the way down to Kentucky and as far as uh, the Carolinas the Cherokee all up in the hills up around Asheville and Highlands and Cashiers. Those tribes are all cousins. They are all considered part of the family of the Confederacy. So that group has held as living prayer the will and purpose of the great peace. And for Twyla, it was at a certain time, it's to come out in the world with the ceremony she asked of me at the Alamo, and then she said to me, and I've talked about this a couple times, if you find the place where this is to begin and I'm still alive, will you conduct the ceremony and then will you come back and tell me about it? Will you physically come back to me and tell me about it if I'm still alive? And I promised her that I would. So we're doing that today. The two evil ones were both confronted by Tagonarita. They didn't kill him. They didn't crucify him. They didn't poison him. The Buddha was poisoned but lived, but suffered greatly. They did not harm him. However, he had to cope with the debris of their fall. But he did not fall with them. Rather, he asked people, are you willing to be in a community 
of virtue beside me, Daganawita, and not use my name again for another child so that only I am Daganawita, and use the title out there of, of what I am doing with you, the, peace, the peacemaker. Right? And then Hiawatha is considered really the author of the piece, the one who, through whom it had to be spoken. If he were not willing to join together so it became we, and that space between the two men, the revelation from God. And I said yesterday, like, Jesus saying, where two or more are gathered in my name, there so am I. So if two of us are together, if Blaine and Peter are together, or Blaine and John, or Peter and John, and you can't separate them from them being vulnerable to God, there's no, there's no bar across the tree to form a crucifix. There's only the straight tree, willingly growing in peace beside the three men, not willing to harm any of the three of them. Right? My experience as a mystic about the tree that Jesus was crucified on is that the tree itself was unwilling to be that, but the humans weren't paying attention. So on this tree, in its purpose, we are paying attention in a humble way. None of us are perfect. And in that, when we turn to one another, God always reveals to us justice, peace, mercy, virtue. And then we always know how to help a person or be vulnerable to God through them helping us. And that is present as we enter this generation. What shall it be like when this baby is my age in 70 years? And that thread of the wampum of the great peace is within him, and he knows that. So he knows the discernment he has to learn with all of us, and yet the purpose that shows us all an inspiration forward in life. So let us go to the direction of the south and call forward that that which is evil in our history find its way home that all the separation and sin and tragic way in which we fall to feel a sort of electromagnetic power or divisiveness or thrill of confusion and violence, that we let that go. And we ask that directly through us, the divine bless us and show us a pathway of the good mind and all the virtues of our own cultural traditions, our own different religious pathways we have, and that we respectfully uphold that in other people. And that when we face violence and evil in other beings, we call that home and invoke the protective and guiding qualities of the messiahs and saints and sages and ancestors of our own lives. And we call that great work of Daganawita and the Iroquois Confederacy to help us find this unified field as the transmission of Daganawita goes from the thinker lakes out into the world. So Twyla had that ceremony conducted at the Alamo, which she had me do. And today we're saying this goes out not just to this country and the people of North America, and out to the world in a quiet prayer, but out as a transmission of that being through all the continents of the earth and to all peoples of the earth and the animals and plants and elements for whom they've been ready for a very long time. Then let us turn to the direction of the east, and that begins the new day. And I'm going to have us begin with the uh, calling forward of, of the, the men. Um, Steve, if you would stand. And John and Blaine and Peter and Jody, if you're, if you're able or if you want to sit, and Brian. And Jan has brought a beautiful silk, if you would place that with Steve. Uh, the women carry one aspect of the duties, the men carry another. People who choose another blending of gender choose another. There's a recognition from women into men 
But a woman cannot compete with the authority a man can carry. So we have a boy child here who's been born into this family. And Alexandra, if you would place your baby son Adam in your father's arms. <clears throat> Steve was raised uh, Catholic, Roman Catholic, as I was, and he was an altar boy, as Peter's and my older brother Mike was. And the prayer that I know throughout the world that is important to Christians, because they were taught from the Bible, the New Testament, that Jesus taught us to pray like this in answer to someone's question. However, the father of this baby, Mo, Muhammad Salim, is Egyptian, and he's in Egypt right now. And the Lord's Prayer, which Jesus told people, was probably taught to Jesus as a little boy when he was in Egypt. Because the prayer dates back about eight to 9,000 years before the time of Jesus and is called the Prayer of Osiris. Right? It doesn't lessen what it is to say it as a Christian. But it does include the father of this boy. So, Steve, if you would lead us all and the men with you in the Lord's Prayer, please. Our Father, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who are against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. And would each of you men be willing to hold the baby for a moment just with your own uh, aspirations for him and for his generation. Yeah, that's right. This child has been so interesting to me because uh, he directs me. And so it would be like a 
father taking someone on a little trip and we're driving down a certain road and the father and mother have decided where they're going and the child says, I want you to turn to the left over there because there's something else over there. And then the parents are aware, well, we can still get there, but go and look at the sunset for a minute. And then they realize there's an osprey nest and an osprey there. How did someone know? And so there's a quality that I know my mother was incredibly tolerant about in me of my being very stubborn when I would know there was something I needed to do, even though I didn't fully understand it because this mystery we're speaking of, of two people meeting and yet what is happening, it is always good, it is always loving, it is always without violence, it always calls justice forward. These are these laws within the Confederacy. When that would guide me, I would be aware you must pay attention to this. And so this is the only child I've ever known of where I experienced that everywhere in the world he directs himself in that direction only. He'll need his parents and grandparents and other people's sense. But I was aware, oh, the dawn of the great peace is here because this child is unafraid to live from that place. Therefore, I must be humble enough wise enough and virtuous enough to stand beside him as he is formed by his family and community to show us the way. So there will be thousands and millions of young people starting to say, preserve the Great Lakes this way, care for the earth this way. And they will need someone like Peter to say, well, you're also going to need to think like this. And they will let their father shepherd them or their uncle shepherd them, but they will know the direction of the great peace. That's why I'm talking openly about it today. This child was the being who historically is called Merlin, who was the most significant mentor for King Duncan, who's also called King Arthur, from 6th century Britain. Remarkable sage. And now in this century, he can hold just holiness, not so much the power everyone argues over, but what is a good person to do and be and represent? And how is that calling us all to that place? And then a long time ago, when the being Jesus was here, this soul would have been one of the three wise men who knew to go seeking the family of Mary and Joseph. So my own place beside him is much more of a student than it is as a mentor. We are privileged to sit with him and his family and his extraordinarily courageous mother and her parents and his father from afar who gave permission for the ceremony today and uh, we married them over a Zoom meeting which was sort of gorgeously international and Mo is a secular humanist He's an, he calls himself an atheist, but it's really that there isn't a name for God big enough for what he's aspiring to for the human race. His own aspiration is to create a, an app of adequate translation of the words used in the Quran so that the Muslim world finds its way. And when a Muslim baby is born, a certain prayer is recited into the ear of the baby. So that would have been done across the miles in the soul of Mo's father and Mo and the men of his family and then represented here by the maternal grandfather, Steve. So that prayer would have commenced right at the beginning when Alexandra and Jan were there at the birth. So we'll move on now to the next direction. We have the east of the dawn of this generation coming forward on the earth. Let's go to the north, which is the direction my mother loved, of strength, wisdom, older age, kind of a noble, can be sort of a cool or aloof principle. It's not really, it more just calls things stoically to the center that is virtue and great love. So uh, Jen and, and Alexander are going to bring out some stones and uh, conduct a certain part of ceremony with some stones and a beautiful prayer that Alexander has. Thank you. 
these are um, the stones in here that um, I've been praying with for probably about 35 years. And they come from Cape Cod, all but two of them. a poem by Rudolf Steiner. Create for yourself a new, indomitable perception of faithfulness. 
What is usually called faithfulness passes so quickly. Let this be your new faithfulness. You will experience moments, fleeting moments, with the other person. The human being will appear to you then as if filled, irradiated with a spirit archetype. And then there may be, indeed there will be, other moments, long periods of time when human beings are darkened. But you will learn to say to yourself at such times, the spirit makes me strong. I remember the archetype. I saw it once. No illusion, no deception shall rob me of it. Always struggle for the image that you saw. This struggle is faithfulness. Striving thus for faithfulness, we shall be close to one another, as if endowed with the protective power of angels. We'll move to the direction of the north. And I'll comment about Steiner. Um, several nights ago, in the middle of the night, I just started thinking about him. Mm. Uh, there's a woman in Telluride, Colorado, I met 25 years ago. I was where I needed to talk with her and said, I'm sorry you don't really know me. She owned a small shop. And I said, there's a child who is hoping to come to you. And she said, I know, I know, I've known that since I was 12 years old. And she said, every man in town is terrified of me because they, they know that if they're near me, they'll be a baby. And so she said, I'm 38. I've decided to have in vitro fertilization or he won't come. So Rudolf Steiner came to her as her child, a little boy. And because there was no father, the uh, there's a small... Um, sort of universalist church there in town. And so the minister took the baby in his arms and carried the baby through the congregation and said, we are the father of this child. So I was there at that blessing. Yeah. And uh, she had hoped in the next few years to sell her little shop and move into Mexico and raise her child there. So he would be on average now. Yes, yes. We'll do that at the, in this north now. So with this, we move to the direction of the inner sense that is present here within us in the earth. We move to the sense of the heavens and the direction of guidance that we be able to receive and discern and calibrate our behavior so that we become citizens, really, of the world, but of a heaven on earth, and offer to each other person what we would wish that to be. And when we receive something difficult, or in that tradition of the Tadadaho and the other evil one, we realize there are people who've gone before us who have handled these falls from grace. Let us call on their guidance and help that we know what to do when we're in a conflict of harm, of violence, of argument, of someone trying to negate the grace or the faithfulness. <clears throat> and then we have an ability to sustain these six directions. So with that, we'll turn to the direction of the north, the wisdom, the, the 
the older age, the kind of noble quality of virtue. And I would like us to combine that with an interior silence that we become unafraid of letting the mystery of God move within us. But we find a way with it so that we meet this good mind everywhere. We allow ourselves to seek it everywhere and let it answer us through all beings and through all of creation. And with that, I'd like Alexandra, she's going to read us a poem <coughs> on behalf of her, of her husband in Egypt, and really of the two of you. And then Brian is going to draw us together with a, a, a prayer from the native traditions in both of his mother's heritage and his father's. So if you go ahead, darling. To begin with, The Sweet Grass by Mary Oliver. One, will the hungry ox stand in the field and not eat of the sweet grass? Will the owl bite off its own wings? Will the lark forget to lift its body in the air or forget to sing? Will the rivers run upstream? Behold, I say, behold, the reliability and the finery and the teachings of this gritty earth gift. Two, eat bread and understand comfort. Drink water and understand delight. Visit the garden where the scarlet trumpets are opening their bodies for the hummingbirds who are drinking the sweetness, who are thrillingly gluttonous. For one thing leads to another. Soon you will notice how stones shine underfoot. Eventually, tides will be the only calendar you believe in. And someone's face, whom you love, will be as a star, both intimate and ultimate and you will be both heart-shaken and respectful. And you will hear the air itself, like a beloved, whisper, Oh, let me, for a while longer, enter the two beautiful bodies of your lungs. Three. The witchery of living is my whole conversation with you, my darlings. All I can tell you is what I know. Look, and look again. This world is not just a little thrill for the eyes. It's more than bones. It's more than the delicate wrist with its personal pulse. It's more than the beating of the single heart. It's praising. It's giving until the giving feels like receiving. You have a life, just imagine that. You have this day and maybe another and maybe still another. Four, someday I am going to ask my friend Paulus, the dancer, the potter, to make me a begging bowl, which I believe my soul needs. And if I come to you, to the door of your comfortable house with unwashed clothes and unclean fingernails, will you put something into it? I would like to take this chance. I would like to give you this chance. Five, we do one thing or another. We stay the same or we change. Congratulations if you have changed. Six, let me ask you this. Do you also think that beauty exists for some fabulous reason? And if you have not been enchanted by this adventure, your life, what would do for you? Seven, 
What I loved in the beginning, I think, was mostly myself. Never mind that I had to, since somebody had to. That was many years ago. Since then, I have gone out from my confinements, though with difficulty. I mean the ones that thought to rule my heart. I cast them out. I put them on the mush pile. They will be nourishment somehow. Everything is nourishment somehow or another. And I have become the child of the clouds and of hope. I have become the friend of the enemy, whoever that is. I have become older and, cherishing what I learned, I have become younger. And what do I risk to tell you this, which is all I know? Love yourself, then forget it, then love the world. And then with Brian's words, we'll close the ceremony for the day and have the sense of each of us taking out these stones and these rays of aspiration <clears throat> into our lives and really throughout the planet to the human race. And the one thing I would leave you with is, God has never failed to answer me. I'm always astonished that that seems to be rare in my conversations with people. But this place or capacity that Daganaway speaks of, I'm sure is part of why Peter and I were born in this region, is so that we, we lived in a place where this was allowed. The, the collective of people doesn't react against our living here, our being born here. But there's a place in it where if you are simply truly yourself and you try to receive that in the moments all around you, this great mystery that would be the divine will never fail you. But you have to have the patience that you're quite speak of to allow it and not just try to answer yourself, but be with it. So those two are one, the mystery of God and you. And I thought when I would go out into the world that this would be everywhere, but I've never found it anywhere except in this area. But because it's so saturated in how I was raised, I have never left it. So don't let that ever leave you now that you've been here in this area. And then you will always know what to do. And then there's the quality of being that seed or blossom of the great peace and the contentment and meaning on a sacred level of your life means everything. And that would be your signature. And then across the miles, like Joanne and I, are, we came at three in the morning down the preemption road and I commented about the farm and the day of the butterflies. There was a day they had monarch butterflies on their farm years ago. We were driving and what was in my heart? The intimacy of what we're speaking of. There's no power in the universe that can ever take that from you. And anything you ever face is still made of that and will cower before it until it realizes God or the cosmos, if one would call it that. We all understand it. We're just terrified that it's not our home. But our path is to realize that home and then to embody it as that signature. So we'll have Brian close this and then I will just be in prayer and practice out in my life beside you and my gratitude for 
everyone who's made it possible for all of us to be here today, and the people who are from afar whose prayers are also with us for the human race and the earth and for everyone. So Brian, if you would say the prayer of uh, closing this. This will conclude our time together and just travel safely and just take the most tender care of yourselves. So, thank you so much.